Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome to the podcast today. I am your host, Matt Guest. With me out in Super Bowl host city in Las Vegas is Matt Morris. What is up, bro? Fun episode. We're doing something new today, people. We are doing something new. Sound the alarms. Well, something new and something we've also been talking about, I think, since the inception of our show, where we were always kind of like, hey, that would be cool. That would be fun. You know, maybe we'll do a second show. And here we are three years later um, with nothing to lose. And I think this is the most fired up we've been in maybe three years, at least most fired up and the most actionable in three years. Yeah, most actionable when we feel like we know we're doing at least uh, <laughs> a lot of action early, a lot of wasted energy and action early. Yes. But that's all part of the game and all part of life when you're doing this with a full time job. Now, one one family one family on the way for you. You know, we got shit going on. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to actually go through a little bit of a of a story, story time later on in the episode today. It's actually going to be the focal point of the episode, talking a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs, their dynasty, their run and all that stuff. But before we got into it, we did want to do a brief open to say hi to everyone, but also talk a little bit about the big news that hit, hits home for us as Brewer fans, which is, which is the Corbin Burns trade to the, the Baltimore Orioles. Now, I'm going to kick it off to you, Matt, because you were heading into work right when the tweets were coming mm-hmm. out from Jeff Passan. And I think was it I think it was Rosenthal actually dropped the story, if I'm not um, mistaken, via Twitter X, whatever you call it now. So. I saw the prospects that were traded. This wasn't, first of all, wasn't a surprise to either one of us that Burns got traded. I was a little surprised it got done pre-spring training, but tell me a little bit about your initial thoughts of the trade, and then also what are the Brewers and Brewers fans looking to get in return here? Like, How was the value when you're looking at it from a Brewers perspective? Because I think the Orioles, this was a no-brainer for them to go get an arm. Yeah. And I mean, first and foremost, my my first take here is that, you know, new age reporting really pisses me off. And this isn't just referring to the Corbin Burns trade. It's almost any deal or any breaking news that happens. It's, you know, sub substitute in X reporter. Here's the news that's happening. Here's what I just heard. And it's like, oh my God, this is happening. But wait, we need the details. You can't just <laughs> blast out that Corbin Burns has been traded to the Orioles and like that's it. What a, what are the Brewers getting? And I want to say it took 10 minutes, which isn't bad to find out the return, but you leave all of these fans on the hook because you had to be the first one to report. And to me, I hate that. So, you know, just take that for what it is. I was super pissed. I'm at work looking at my phone, trying to figure out like who can find the inside scoop fast enough because now I'm pissed and I'm excited. I'm I'm trying to weigh my emotions on my sleeve here. Um, First take after I found out who the prospects were, I was disappointed. Disappointed because the Orioles have some of the absolute best prospect names in the game. They are the number one uh, farm system in baseball. Absolutely easy by a, by a landslide. And I was really hoping we would get Colby Mayo, which is a third or first base prospect, depending on what you think of him defensively. Um, you know, I'd really hoped maybe a Samuel Basalo, who's this 19 year old, you know, absolute phenom rising through the system of the Orioles, knew that was almost impossible because I would not allow that. If I were the Orioles, he would be untouchable. Jackson Holiday, untouchable. We knew that. And the news came out that not only was it not those guys, it wasn't even like their mid-tier prospects inside their top 10. It was Joey Ortiz, 25-year-old shortstop who had played at AAA, got a brief stint in the majors last year with the Orioles, and a left-handed pitcher, D.L. Hall, who has battled injury and has battled control issues. 
Um, you know, two names that as Brewer fans, I out of the gate, I wasn't super excited about. And then they also released that the Brewers did also acquire the 34th overall pick, which when I found that out, I was a little more okay with it. For me, 34th overall pick, it's bonus pool money. If you remember us talking on the episode about the draft, it matters. An extra pick means more money allocated to a team, which means they can be more flexible. They can be more aggressive with young high school prospects. It matters a lot. Plus, the 34th overall pick this past year was a player named Charlie Soto for the Minnesota Twins, a high school right-handed arm, very talented. So if you put him into this deal with Ortiz, with Hall, I'm okay with it. And then after a couple of days of you know letting it sink in, I really was able to have some clarity. Joey Ortiz and DL Hall in, let's just say the A's or the Royals system, they're probably top five prospects. They are good players. Joey Ortiz is a defensive first shortstop who hits for a good average, hits the ball hard, but doesn't have a big launch angle, doesn't have a lot of power because of that. And DL Hall has an 80 grade fastball by Baseball America, which is the best grade you can get. Has very good secondary pitches as well, just has had some issues. And in 2023, he made some adjustments. So I think the Brewers made out actually pretty well. You have the potential of DL Hall being a very good three in a major league rotation. He could even be a very good two. There is a slight chance he becomes an ace. We're not banking on that. And I think Joey Ortiz is the starting shortstop for the Milwaukee Brewers for at least the next three years if they move Willie Adamas right now, which I hope <laughs> they do. Not that Adamas is a bad player. He just doesn't fit this youth movement. Go out get assets with assets while you have them while they're expiring. He's on the last year of his last year of his deal. Um, and Joey Ortiz is a plus defender. I think he's going to hit 280, 300 in the major leagues. He's going to get on base and Milwaukee's going young. So I did like the deal. Um, I think as a fan, we could have gotten more maybe, but the last piece I will say here is I thought immediately to the Josh Hader trade a few years ago. And the reality is if the Brewers were contending this year, with Corbin Burns, after signing Reese Hoskins, you can't trade him in July. So you essentially lose him for a comp, and, a comp pick, which would be in the 30s anyways, and he walks and goes and signs a $300 million deal somewhere else. This way, we know we weren't going to win the World Series. You know, Woodruff's injury, I think, really ended this, this run of um, competitiveness and this, this small window we did have if everything worked well. And we ended up shoring up some pieces for the future. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you made a really interesting point about the prospects being good prospects if they weren't the prospects on the Orioles, right? Yep. And that's the thing. You were disappointed because you're like, well, there's these, you know, <laughs> there's these gold standard, platinum, legit superstar potential guys that we wanted to get, which were on your wish list, right? But then you really take a step back and you think about it you're like well actually these guys could be starters right they could make an impact yep. on the team maybe towards the latter half of this year if not you know the next season or two and you're right the brewers are going on a youth movement it is what it is they got a new coach they have a new system they have one of the best farm systems in all of baseball so it was a bummer to see burns go obviously but that's just kind of the nature of the game Second point I really agreed with you on was the Josh Hader situation. And not only did they trade him and not have to pay him, but if you remember, I think the bigger impact of that trade halfway through the season when the Brewers ended up making the playoffs and were a very competitive team was that it demoralized the team in the locker room, right? And we thought it would help. Um, I almost said Jeffers, but uh, Williams <clears throat> as a closer. And it seemed to really shake him up for the first fuck. I don't want to say I want to say like 
12 to 15 save appearances. He looked really, really bad, very rattled. But I think he'll have a better season this year, knowing he's coming in as the guy and whatnot. But I, I just remember vividly the whole locker room being so shook that they tra- traded Hater at that time. Whereas now it's like, you know what? It's not spring yet. Burns is on his way out. I'm sure Adamas can see the writing on the wall. Same thing as you don't want to see him go, but it just makes too much sense for with the way the Brewers operate as an organization. And um, on the flip side, bro, like we were asking for the Orioles to do this last year, weren't yeah. we? We said we need go get Corbin Burns. Now the Brewers' price was probably a little bit higher at the time last year because Burns was having an outstanding season. The Orioles obviously were in win now mode, so. I'd say we'll see, but it seems to be early a win-win situation for both teams. And obviously, as we do with all of our brewers that move on to better places and more money, because that's what everywhere besides Milwaukee offers them, um, I'm rooting for him, and I hope he does good, and I want the Orioles to win that division again and look a little bit better this year in the playoffs than they did last year. Well, I think you said it best. You know, Milwaukee got two starters. Joey Ortiz is a starting shortstop on a few teams right now. And I think in the Milwaukee Brewers organization right now, again, I love Adamas, but Ortiz is everything that we need out of the shortstop. Adamas fits the old profile, you know, 230 to 250 hitter who strikes out a lot and has some power, good defender, but not a great defender. Milwaukee's going towards this fast on base uh, contact approach, which we kind of highlighted going into the 2023 season as the rules changed. Ortiz is literally the mold for that with a plus plus glove and arm. And that's a starter, right? DL Hall, our rotation looks like garbage right now. Absolutely, you have a job. So we got two starters and a draft pick. And I look at just some of the other trades that have happened over the last couple of years. Obviously, Oakland has completely tanked their trades. But when you look at the Matt Olson as well as the Sean Murphy deal, they got one starter out of both deals, if I'm correct. And I'll have to look back on these deals because I don't have them in front of me. But I have broken them down in detail. And they were absolutely pathetic deals. And Matt Olson is absolutely an elite superstar in this league, and they were able to sign him to a team-friendly extension where Burns is going to probably go for 30 to $35 million a year. That wasn't the requirement for Olsen. So you know, you, the Orioles know they're probably acquiring Burns and not going to re-sign him. Maybe they will. Maybe they will decide to lock him in as their ace of the future as this you know rising dynasty starts that we are projecting, or maybe he walks, but... Either way, Milwaukee to get two starters, a draft pick for Burns to go to a competitive team, a team that now has a chance to push for a World Series appearance. I think it's a win-win. Not often do you see that. And you get to do this amicably. Like you said, Josh Hader, not only that trade not only upset the team, it upset the city. I loved it. I thought it was good for the team. Everybody else seemed to have a different opinion. And you can't re you can't repeat history as an MLB organization or as a sports organization. You got to learn from your past mistakes. Totally. They already have a bad rap as is kind of in-house with taking care of their own, understandably. But I mean, you and I as fans, we talk about this off the air and don't need to exhaust us any further. But that's just the nature of their business. They're in for a profit and for the bottom line, not necessarily winning the title. So this is a story of an intern who created the NFL's newest dynasty. Let's go back to the year 2004 in the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. As many NFL teams do, the Eagles brought in a bunch of interns to aid the current coaching regime, led by future Hall of Fame coach Andy Reid. Little did Reid know, but one of his interns, a former running back and wide receiver at the University of Delaware, would change the trajectory of his career forever. That intern and current GM is Brett Veach. 
To refresh your memory, Andy Arita was hired by the Eagles in 1999 and was the second youngest head coach behind John Gruden at the time. Reed took the Eagles to four consecutive NFC Championship games between 2001 and 2004. Our story starts right after Reed finally made his first Super Bowl appearance, but ultimately falling to the New England Patriots 24-21. Reed ultimately could not get back to the Super Bowl with the Eagles, and he was never able to find the quarterback to bring him a championship and to bring Philly that championship. At the end of the 2012 season, the Eagles chose not to renew Andy Reid's contract, ultimately allowing him to hit free agency. A coach of Reid's caliber had teams lining up for his services, which ultimately led Andy to Kansas City. But first, let's get back to Brett and why he's important. After four years of interning, in 2008, Veach was promoted to coaching assistant. Two years later, promoted to scout. After Andy Reid was relieved of his duties in Philadelphia, Veach had made enough of an impact for Andy to bring him with him to Kansas City, ultimately making Veach co-director of player personnel. This authority and influence of the front office and head coach gave Veach the opportunity to vouch for a three-star recruit who was currently a freshman at Texas Tech. And yes, that freshman was Patrick Mahomes. In an SI article, Reid has been quoted referencing a conversation between him and Brett Veach. Quote, you're not going to believe this quarterback. This guy is unbelievable. The best I've ever seen. End quote. Despite making the playoffs four of the last five years in Kansas City and a resurgence from Alex Smith, the Chiefs acted on Veach's recommendation. They traded up to the 10th pick and drafted Mahomes in 2017. For most, this was a defining moment for the start of what would be considered the Chiefs dynasty. Yeah, Matt, hold up, hold up. Isn't that crazy? How many teams, A, draft a quarterback after they make the playoffs? But even more, Matt, like, think about this. How many trade up into the top 10 after making the playoffs to draft a quarterback to replace a guy? Wild. Well, and I think that exactly goes into what we've talked about for three years and in more or less in the last year, right? We have really looked at what makes teams successful and what makes teams not successful. And when you look at what teams are doing that, the Chiefs, the Packers, an attempt by San Francisco that failed, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think when we really break it down, the best teams do that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, how many teams do we see at the top of the draft every single year, consistently year after year, run out these young quarterbacks that have no business playing in the league, right? Like, Atlanta for this year, for the sake of example, they're going to go out there, probably draft another one this year and run into the same issue, not give their guy enough time to develop behind a veteran quarterback. And more importantly, we just don't see teams in the league right now have the foresight and honestly the balls to do something like Green Bay did, right? We have a future Hall of Fame quarterback, back-to-back MVP. We're in the NFC Championship game, but hey, we see a guy that we know we can draft and develop that could push us across the line in a couple of years. And uh, obviously we'll get more to the story here, but it worked out for Kansas city too. Well, and I'd argue that was big for Kansas city drafting Mahomes is what we know is the narrative changer for this dynasty. But to me, it really wasn't the draft pick of Mahomes as the cementing piece to this entire dynasty. It goes hand in hand, but for me, it was actually something that happened a little bit later in 2017. That summer, they decided to relieve John Dorsey of the general manager title, 
which again, to our narrative, I had always thought Dorsey was the guy to take Mahomes. But shortly after, Brett Veach was awarded the job of general manager. And as we kind of talked about earlier, he was the one to scout Mahomes. He was the one to push for Mahomes. The Chiefs decided to tie their new quarterback with their new GM and thus started the dynasty that we currently have as the Kansas City Chiefs. As Alex Smith's final year in Kansas City came to an end, the Philadelphia Eagles upset the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, winning the breakup with them and Reed for the time being. Going into 2018, it would be Mahomes' first year as a starter. Vegas, not impressed, had their line at eight and a half wins. Veach's key offseason additions included Sammy Watkins, Chad Henney, and Damian Williams. They finished the year 12 and four. Yeah, there you go, Vegas, with the number one offense in the league. Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Mahomes all making all pro selections. While the Chiefs were led by a stout offense, they had only one defender make the Pro Bowl. That was D. Ford. And we'll get back to him. The Chiefs exceeded all preseason expectations, got the number one seed, and ended up in the AFC Championship game, where Mahomes led a touchdown drive to give the Chiefs the lead with only one minute remaining before disaster struck. Brady throws an interception, but there goes D. Ford. He lines up offsides, and the play is called back, giving Brady another shot. And at this point in time, you know how the story ends. Brady, of course, does what Brady always did and won the game, leading the Patriots to their third straight Super Bowl. <laughs> Isn't that so ironic, man? This year, 2023, Kansas City fans, hey, they must have forgotten, bro. They must have forgotten that games are decided by offsides penalties, right? It's fun- funny how people forget, but that D Ford one, it's brutal. Well, and how the narrative changes, right? Entering the 2019 offseason, Veach had an amazing opportunity a star quarterback on a rookie contract. He had to bolster the defense, and he had to move on from D. Ford. They traded Ford to San Francisco, saving $15 million in cap space, allowing them to sign Pro Bowler Tyrone Matthew, Rashad Breland, and Alex Okafor to help shore up this defense. And they did, improving their defense to seventh in the NFL. The Chiefs ended up repeating as the number one seed, but faced unprecedented adversity in the playoffs. The Chiefs trailed in all three of their playoff games, down 24-0 against Houston in the divisional round, ultimately winning that game 51-31. to And for me, that is one of the most remarkable games I remember as a football fan, as a sports fan, a great game. Down 17-7 to Tennessee in the AFC Championship game, going on to win 35-24. to And finally, trailing 20 to 10 to the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, only to go and score 21 straight points, which led them to their first title in the Mahomes-Veach era. 14 years after being hired by Andy Reid as an intern, Veach delivers a championship to Reid. After seven championship games and two Super Bowl appearances, Andy Reid finally cements himself as a Hall of Fame caliber head coach. Now that the ultimate goal has been achieved. Veach turns his focus to cementing the dynasty, signing both Mahomes and Chris Jones, the leaders on offense and defense, to long-term extensions. The question now facing the Chiefs is how do you win with a massive quarterback contract? Well, we know the answer. The Chiefs found themselves in yet another Super Bowl, 
but their identity had been exposed, scoring only nine points. Mahomes was sacked three times. He threw two interceptions and they had 11 team penalties for the Chiefs overall. These numbers did not tell the whole story. The offensive line was in shambles and Mahomes, frankly, was running for his life. When evaluating the only game that really matters in the 2020 season, it was clear that the time for a complete change in identity and retool to help move this team forward was absolutely necessary. Yeah, for sure, man. And isn't it super interesting that Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady have such similar career paths to start their careers? And it's funny that all this is starting to change right after Mahomes loses to Brady in the Super Bowl. And what I mean by that is Belichick needed to get over the hump before he had Tom Brady, right? He had lost Super Bowl against the Packers, had a lot of struggles in Cleveland's and other spots. And then also both teams needed to get into an identity change. Now, Brady's was a little different, right? Because they had a good defense to start. But Mahomes and that offense looked bad in that Super Bowl. Well, I find it interesting that you're absolutely right, A, and B, that they're just so different, right? Mahomes had the elite wide receiver. He had the tight end. He has the tight end now. And we're seeing this transition as we continue along with this story. And as most of us know where the story lays today, that it's going to have to be the defense as this team continues. And we start to see that start playing out right in front of our eyes within this story. Yep. And then we saw Tom Brady literally go from defense to, yeah, let's just go get Randy Moss, right? <laughs> For pennies on Crazy. the dollar. Yeah. Let's just go get Randy Moss. Huh? Guys, he's whatever. <laughs> Thinking back to the biggest attractor in the 2020 season, it was clearly the offensive line. We highlighted the key pieces in that Super Bowl. And if you watched it, you saw it for yourself. The offensive line was an absolute liability. So Veach going into the 2021 offseason had to make changes. And he did so, trading three picks for Pro Bowl left tackle Orlando Brown, signing guard Joe Tooney and drafting Creed Humphreys and right guard Trey Smith. Offensive line, check. The Chiefs added Nick Bolton to round out a stellar 2021 class and adding yet another starter to help in the linebacking core. 2021 was an opportunity to get the high-powered offense back on track. With a better offensive line and additions to the defense, the Chiefs ultimately went on to go 12-5. and Sadly, the 2021 season did not go any further. After the Chiefs' lack of run game finally seemed to catch up with them, Joe Burrow and the Bengals handed them a playoff loss 27-24 to in overtime. The 2022 offseason was a make-or-break period in the dynasty. Their star wide receiver was asking for a record-setting contract as the wide receiver market exploded. And from the level of play that Tyreek Hill showed on the field, absolutely deserved. Only recently did it come out that Tyreek and his agent had hoped to hold leverage on the Chiefs and ultimately have them fold to his demands. But that is not how our story plays out. Hill was ultimately traded to Miami for a haul of draft picks, and signed a four-year, $120 million contract with Miami. With Hill now gone, the Chiefs did what they could to replace him, adding Marquez Valdez-Scanling from Green Bay on a free agent contract, as well as bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster from Pittsburgh also as a free agent. The offense would now ultimately fall on the connection between Mahomes and Kelsey. Another key piece of the Chiefs' success up to that point had been Tyrone Matthew, who was entering free agency as well. It would have been very easy for Veach to take the safe route to bring Matthew back. 
but he had decided that there were concerns in the run game and with his aggressive coverage style. Veach decided to take a risk on a young safety named Justin Reed, a very talented safety from Houston, but had also been held back due to injuries, missing three games in each of the last two seasons. Justin would go on to start all but one game over the 2022 and 2023 seasons. And this leads us to the 2022 draft class, where in the seventh round, the Chiefs selected maybe the most important pick outside of Mahomes in this story, Isaiah Pacheco. While Pacheco doesn't leave you in awe of his stat line, he delivers consistency and sets the tempo on every play. Reliable. Something the Chiefs desperately needed. Veach added two additional key starters in the 2022 class, with Trent McDuffie, cornerback, and defensive end George Karloftis, both playing big roles for Kansas City in 22 and 23. Heading into the 2022 season, expectations were lower than years past after the departure of Tyreek Hill, but the league still knew Mahomes and Reed were to be feared. Defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars and finding revenge against the Cincinnati Bengals, Mahomes and Kelsey led Kansas City to its third Super Bowl, this time against Andy Reid's former team, the Philadelphia Eagles. In come-from-behind fashion, the Chiefs and Reid knocked off his former team 38-35 in a win that left the NFL world asking, do we have the next greatest of all time? Coming into the 2023 season, the Chiefs had the luxury of bringing back almost all of their starters. The only roadblock would be their defensive anchor, Chris Jones, and his desire for a long-term contract. After a disappointing week one performance against the Lions, Veach once again answered the most crucial need by signing Jones to a one-year extension and paying the man. It's Super Bowl week. Kansas City has made its fourth Super Bowl in five years. While the story is not yet finished, it's safe to say a dynasty has in fact been born. All starting 20 years ago, when an intern stepped into the facilities in Philadelphia. Um, okay, well, it is Super Bowl week, so rapid fire. Didn't even prep you for this, but <laughs> who do you got? What's your score? Who's winning the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm not ever betting against Patrick Mahomes again until he proves me wrong. I have <laughs> Chiefs 24-20. I'm going more high scoring. I hate to say it, but I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm going to say they win 31 to 28. But close game. Good close game. game. Now that it, there's been a little bit more time for the anger to go away from our team losing, um, I do think that's the best possible matchup we could ask for as NFL fans, right? Like if you really look in objectively, maybe, okay, the Ravens probably would have been better. But like it's going to be a great football game, 100%. Well, and I think what makes it such a great matchup now is just that I think we've come to terms with the reality that Patrick Mahomes, while we thought he was great, we have taken him and put him in the next classification. Totally great. He's in now he's in an echelon of three, four names, and rightfully so. You know, I'm not going to give him the goat status yet. That's too early. Tom has earned that, and I think has earned that until accomplishments warrant that. But Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Montana, you know, that it's three for me right now. I agree. And and talent wise, you could add more to the bin, but like what Mahomes is doing is winning, and that's what puts you in this bucket. 
yeah, I, I totally agree. Was was it LeBron James that said he was chasing ghosts? I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was when he was when he was in Cleveland, like going to the to the NBA Finals, what like eight eight years in a row. Like that is to your point, the league, the echelon that Mahomes is in now. Like I don't necessarily think we will, nor do I like or want to hear anything anymore on TikTok and Instagram, which we will. It's just like Mahomes versus this guy. Like no one else is there, you know. Like. It's everyone else in Mahomes. So I agree. I think it's really fun. It's really exciting. And lastly, I hope everyone enjoyed the episode today. Um, we have some really, really fun ideas that we're going to start to bring out and do some more story-like, series-like content for this. Um, please shoot us DMs with suggestions or stories or different things you'd like to hear from us and our perspective. And um, yeah, we appreciate you all. You can find us on our socials. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and uh, happy Super Bowl. See you guys next week.